This episode of You Should Know This is sponsored by the University of Manchester Innovation Factory. The Innovation Factory drives the commercialization of the university's innovations and IP to create positive social and economic impact. To learn more, visit them at uominnovationfactory.com. Welcome to the You Should Know This podcast by BCC Research. Our podcast features innovative companies and individuals who are working to shape, disrupt, and revolutionize not only their own industries, but also the way we'll live and work in the future. Each week, we talk to visionaries whose work is something you should definitely know about. Now, here's your host, Clara Mowit. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Clara Mawad, and as a content specialist for BCC Research, I'm excited to bring you along as we talk to the companies and individuals who are leading us into the future. Water is an essential part of our everyday lives. And while we understand the importance of clean water, how much do we know about the water systems that make up the industry? How aware are we that COVID-19 can be detected in said water systems? And how do we monitor dangerous contaminants in drinking water on a large scale? Well, 120 Water is addressing all of the questions above and more. A trusted advisor for water programs across the country, 120 Water offers solutions through a combination of their cloud-based software and digital kit systems. I'm joined today with Megan Glover, co-founder and CEO of 120 Water, bringing with her over 15 years of experience in using modern software technology to solve complex problems. Megan is leading the charge in providing the tools necessary in tackling the current issues facing the water industry. So without further ado, let's dive in. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Clara. So I love to start it at the beginning and learn a bit about you and then how you came to co-found 120 Water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I like to say that, that Water found me. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I, I've been in the tech industry building business-to-business -business software companies for um, almost 20 years now. And um, probably like most consumers of water in 2015, found myself um, just very shocked about what was going on in Flint, Michigan. Yep. Um, for those, I, I don't want to reiterate and rehash what happened, but um, I mean, the most the, the most uh, poignant water crisis that I think you and I will probably ever feel and see in our lifetime. And I was a young uh, mother of two and honestly, just genuinely concerned about what was in my tap water, um, you know, in a day and age where I can buy hormone free milk and have my DNA tested through 23andMe, I wanted to get my water tested. And um, having a background in um, executive marketing and sales, I did a ton of uh, market research on where would I go about getting my tap water tested by a laboratory, a certified laboratory. And there just wasn't a great solution at the time in 2015, 2016. So um, I, I went to a couple of mentors of mine and literally we bootstrapped 120 water. We said, we think this product needs to exist out there in the world. Um, and we launched 120 water. Water, uh, which is essentially uh, our very first product was a uh, consumer-friendly kit, which would get shipped directly to your uh, doorstep and uh, shipped back to a lab and results sent to you digitally within 14 days. Um, and to make a long story short, we launched the company really focused on the consumer, but 
as um, as we were paying attention to the market and all of the uh, changes that were happening as a result of Flint, there was just so much regulation and change happening in the water quality industry that we actually ended up pivoting the business to focus directly to government agencies, water systems, and facilities that were tasked with managing these new lead and drinking water uh, regulations. So that kind of brings us all the way from, I saw a need, I was concerned consumer of water um, to where we are today, serving the, the government sector um, and through various solutions. It is such a neat origin story. I mean, that's so empowering to hear. And I'm excited to dive right into all of the work that you guys are doing. Uh, but before we do, can we let's paint a picture of the current water industry for our listeners. What are some of the challenges that, that you're seeing that we're currently facing in this industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, an- another reason why I'm so passionate about it and saying water found me, uh, perhaps one of the most fragmented industries I've ever had uh, a chance to be a part of. Um, you know, if we think about water as a sector, one, it's very, very fragmented. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of public water systems that are tasked with delivering safe and clean drinking water. If you compare that to the UK, they have five. Wow. So we have hundreds of thousands of ranging from very large to very small water systems that are tasked with running these regulations to deliver safe and clean drinking water. So the ecosystem is very, very fragmented. Um, Two, uh, it's very, very under-resourced that, you know, constantly doing more with less. Um, Our infrastructure is literally crumbling beneath our footsteps and people don't people don't think of water pipes as infrastructure which is just crazy to me, right? Uh, and it's our number one most vital resource and we've underinvested in um, in the pipes which are contributing to water quality issues. I mean, what happened in, in Texas, all of the water main breaks was a result of aging infrastructure that couldn't keep up with climate change, right? So, so you have uh, aging infrastructure, climate change, and then uh, more regulation around water quality. So living in a post-Flint world, one of the things that that's really shined a spotlight on was that our regulations and water quality are 30 years outdated. Many of us have lived in a generation where there's not been a single change to the Safe Drinking Water Act. And so uh, there's a whole push to really uh, modernize those regulations so that they actually go further to protect public health. So lots, lots, lots of uh, um, moving macro challenges that the water sector is facing today. For sure. And it's crazy to think about because, like you said, it's it's so vital. And to see it being, you know, to hear that it's such a fragmented industry that's underfunded kind of boggles my mind a bit. But the best part about this is that 120 Water is providing a solution. So we're going to jump right into what that looks like. So I'm going to quote you or I'm going to quote the website for a quick second. And this really ties into what you just said. So 120 Water is an all-in-one turnkey solution for drinking water and wastewater programs. Now, you just mentioned that there's a lot of fracture. There's a lot of moving parts in this industry that just aren't all tied together. And I can see that this is that the mission here is really to kind of make it more cohesive and standardized. Can you break down what that looks like by application? Uh, yes, absolutely. So uh, so 120 Water, we are a digital platform company and that platform company is comprised of enterprise cloud-based software, um, our point of use kits, and we do have some a services team that really helps our customers uh, stand up. So plan, manage, and execute drinking water programs that protect our public health. 
And why 120 Water exists is, um, you know, when you think about this industry and the underinvestment, that actually applies to modern technology systems and data management systems that our customers are managing as well, right? A, a lot of times this industry has been very, very slow to adopt anything um, digital, if, if that makes sense. And so, um, so what we are doing is we are really helping our customers modernize their data management systems, right? Using uh, data management workflows and predictive intelligence to actually help them execute smarter, less expensively without uh, so many manual processes. And then finally, you know, um, helping them kind of comply with these emerging and more comprehensive regulations. So, um, so how that, I mean, really it's just like new rules need new tools. Yep. <laughs> I mean, simply put that, that Excel sheet that you created in 1993 to manage your lead and copper rule is not going to apply in 2023 when you really need more modern business systems to run your compliance programs. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And okay, so that sets us up well. You mentioned the different solutions that you guys provide, but can you just break them down a little bit more and then how you guys decided on these three solutions? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when we think about the end-to-end -end and being end-to-end, -end, um, at the end of the day, water professionals they just want the solution, yeah. right? It's very different than public, or excuse me, private sector, where maybe they're looking for the shiny object, right? They want to invest in the the coolest application or you know cloud-based app that they can because uh, it's shiny objects and they have infinite budget. You know, this is an industry where they need reliable solutions to solve their problems. And so, when we, as a company, we really take that end-to-end -end, uh, very, very seriously because it's not just software that's going to solve their problem or or it's not just a water testing kit, or it's not just services. It's, it's literally how all of those things come together to run a compliance program. So um, the software, think TurboTax for water, right? I love it. You know, I have these set of regulations that I have to follow. They're known knowns, and I can use modern technology to get the data in one place and the compliance workflows to, to do the steps. Our kits literally act, uh, so we are replacing field labor. Like traditionally in the absence of 120 water and our point of use kits, it would be 100% reliant on field technicians and field labor to drop those kits off one by one on a house. There's actually simply not enough personnel joining water or that are employed by water to do that at scale. Mm -hmm. So we are taking a very manual, expensive, clunky process and completely um, automating that through uh, through modern software in our kits. And then finally, the services component of what we do, um, a lot of our customers are under-resourced and they really look to uh, public-private partnerships or they look to companies like 120 to either augment um, their existing staff because they can't find people to, to, to join their team to actually execute these programs or they, they simply just need a little extra help. Um, so that's kind of how all of those components come together. And the end result is that they are able to, um, you know, better comply with these new regulations that are, are, are a huge burden of time, money and risk. For sure. And it really is an end to end solution. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we've you've touched upon the software quite a bit, which is a huge component of all of this. And I love the, the comparison to TurboTax. I think that helps paint a good picture. But to go into it a bit more, what technologies are you utilizing to make your this the whole software op, um, possible? 
Mm-hmm. That's a great, yeah. And and um, and given my background, having been in lots of various industries and built and observed a lot of different technologies, we're not creating necessarily anything net new. You know, to your point, what we're doing is we're taking best of breed cloud-based applications and 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 really integrating with them or, um, you know, building code over them uh, to provide an end-to-end solution for our customers. So one example of that is we have an entire communications module um, because communications and reporting is a huge part about compliance, right? So we use best-of-breed applications like SendGrid to power all of those communications. We also use a direct mail sending engine called Lob to do the direct mail piece and the the letter piece. So again, where there's best-of-breed technology that already exists, we're bringing it into our platform um, and where it doesn't, we, we, we develop it, right? We have half our team, our wonderful, um, incredible software engineers. But, uh, but to your point, you know, we, we look at, you know, we look at, is there an off the shelf uh, cloud application that makes sense for us to integrate with uh, Google Maps and GIS is another great example. We don't need to recreate GIS. Great applications already exist. And then how can we build the the overlay, the UI, UX that make it very easy for our customers to run their program? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's like putting finding all of the right pieces and then just putting it all together instead of trying to build it from scratch, which saves time, energy, resources, and really allows you guys to implement your solutions quicker, which is the, the goal. Um, and I think a good Okay, so we're going to talk about a, a real problem that we're facing right now, which, I mean, all of these water problems we are facing right now. We're going to touch upon um, infrastructure in a minute, but let's talk about COVID because the pandemic hit and it everyone's been impacted. And I think that I can speak for most of our listeners when I say people aren't aware that it can be detected in water and yet it can. And you guys have the ability to find hot spots and pinpoint them early on. So can you walk us through how this is, you know, what this looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. um, I mean, like most every other human being uh, living through the last, you know, year, we found ourselves in a point to saying, you know, what are our customers need at this moment in time? What's going to be most relevant to them, helpful to them? That's just who we are and what we wake up every day doing. We we want to solve complex problems for ourselves, you know, for our customers in this industry. And um, there had been a lot of uh, talk about a a field, an emerging field called wastewater-based epidemiology. And this this practice had actually been implied in other countries. Um, I believe actually Israel is the most uh, famous case study to actually detect uh, emergence of polio. Oh wow! So breakthrough breakthrough spots of polio. And so you know we we continue to follow the science and say okay, I mean you know that's a viral that's a viral thing. You know could we apply this to uh, to COVID? RNA. And, and sure enough, um, we started working with our laboratory partners about the methods that they were developing to detect this RNA. Um, and then we kind of went in to say, okay, well, are, would we be able to design a kit, right? A, a kit that would be able to capture that sample and the efficacy of that sample, get it analyzed and back into our platform to kind of predict, uh, predict these hotspots, right? And so sure enough, in a matter of um, eight weeks, we went from identifying the, the science and the, the research to proof of concept and launched our first uh, statewide based uh, program literally in a matter of 12 weeks. Right. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. 
And, 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 and the, how it actually works, again, it's we used wastewater. Wastewater, many people don't know, is literally the thumbprint of, of our uh, DNA RNA. Right. So if we can capture and pinpoint, uh, you know, effluent kind of spots in our wastewater where, where we want to capture a, a sample of, you know, whether it's polio, um, opioids, right, wastewater, um, we can then pinpoint, you know, the presence of those things or not in a, in a certain geography. So so again, it's um, it's it's we're we're excited about it. Um, you know, I think it has applications beyond COVID, but certainly for COVID, it is an essential data point to be able to detect, hey, where are some hotspots as as the virus is trending up? But now we're seeing it used as vac vaccine efficacy. Oh, wow. Right. If we know that 100 percent of a population you know, has been vaccinated, we don't really know how long, how long it go, how long it lasts. Right. So now we're seeing that science applied to saying, are we seeing breaks, breakouts? right, in six months, nine months, 10 months to inform when we need boosters uh, for the vaccine. That is, wow. <laughs> I'm wrapping my mind around that right now. That is incredible. And like you said, it's super applicable right now. And it's so neat to see this being used current moment. The fact that it was deployed within 12 weeks is insane. Um, but also what this means post-pandemic for other viruses, for other problems, like this is going to be a huge game changer and definitely something that is going to evolve in a really remarkable way. So that's extremely exciting. Um, mm -hmm. And as that face, that, that is a solution for one problem, let's pivot and talk about another. So aging infrastructure. Now this is something that's come up in different industries a lot that I've that I've started to see. And so, however, the impact that it has concerning water is pretty massive given just the fact that it's water. So what are the current problems that the aging infrastructure is creating? And then what are what is 120 Water doing to combat those? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so what are the current problems? Um, again, just a perpetual underinvestment of replacing our our, our pipes. And um, again, a lot of a lot of the country is um, operating with infrastructure that has exceeded its useful life. So, what is that doing for us as consumers? One is contributing to water quality issues. Uh, because leaky and destructive pipes, every time those pipe breaks, uh, that think about it as, uh, you know, we, we do things to seal those pipes to keep the contaminants out of the drinking water. Anytime those pipes are exposed uh, to the air, to everything, that just threatens all of the good that we're doing in the treatment plant, right? So that's kind of how water quality issues can seep into the distribution system. The leaching of lead, again, a lot of the infrastructure, um, there's an estimated 10 million lines, and that's just an estimation that we believe to have uh, lead, which is contributing to lead poisoning um, in the US. And so, um, so again, those are really the macro. It's, oh, and it's costly. Oh, by the way, uh, those water main breaks and, and the non -re the revenue loss that we're just writing off um, because of aging infrastructure is really, really expensive. So, um, so anyway, that, that's the, those are the macro problems. Um, what's also going to happen um, as part of new legislation, this is where 120 Water comes into play, is there's a lot of new legislation called uh, the let, uh, the, um, the lead and copper rule revisions, right? Once in a 30 year revision to the lead and copper rule, it's actually going to require all of our water systems to identify their lead service lines. This is the first time they've had to do this. 
And so what that's going to do is that's going to, you know, one, it's, it's very costly, but it's also going to help us identify the, the pipe that we need to get out of the ground first, right? Because we want to prioritize the pipe that's making us unhealthy. Right. That's the blend, right? Um, so what 120 Water has developed is, again, using modern, modern data management practices, right? We've developed a predictive intelligence module that helps our customers pinpoint where they're more likely to find lead so that they can prioritize those, um, those pipes and validate those first and, and prioritize getting those out of the ground. And what that does is that's going to save them an immense amount of resources because um, there's just, again, simply not enough money for them to go and blind dig every single service line to validate the material type. So we have to really rely on data and data science to get smarter about where we perform work and where we dig, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and it's neat to see that it, it, you're really making everything more efficient within the industry. Mm -hmm. And when you look at all of the different solutions that 120 Water is is producing and, and implementing, it fits right into your vision of becoming a global leader within the industry. Now, that kind of thing takes collaboration. I mean, the water industry is huge. It's old. And I know that you guys have a what's called the, your 120 water partner ecosystem. So can you speak to that a bit more as to what it is and how it works? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yes, it, it takes a village. Um, you know, if you think about 120 is just one provider, uh, one provider of necessary solutions to solve the bigger, the bigger pie of a problem. And so um, one of the things we've done over the last uh, year and a half is really prioritize uh, the creation of our partnership network. And um, our partners kind of fall into three categories. Uh, one, distribution partners. Uh, so again, this is not a new industry, right? There, there, are, there are corporations and distributors that have been selling into these fragmented water systems for generations, right? So we want to make sure that we um, have identified um, the distribution partners so that we can reach every single door because every single door, every single water system could use our solution, right? So so really uh, working with uh, folks like Danaher Hawk um, and their sales team to, to resell 120. And then the second, uh, the second phase of our partner ecosystem is our technology partners. Back to that end-to-end -end solution, um, there are technology partners that, uh, such as censoring partners, field partners, environmental um, engineering firms that also need to work on the 120 water platform to get the lead out or to, to execute XYZ of the program. So we wanna make sure that we have integrated them, whether that be a piece of technology or an actual person into our ecosystem so that we really can provide that end-to-end -end solution um, for our customers. So again, kind of two-prong approach. One, it's you know how do we make sure that we are getting in front of the entire kind of water ecosystem and then making sure that we have the right integrated uh, partners that either tie in directly to our technology or the programs that, uh, that our customers execute if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's it's really neat to see how you guys are approaching these different problems, not just, I mean, in both ways, right? Right now, the immediate the immediate needs, and then also looking to the future and, and figuring out the collaboration needed and the people and the resources necessary to make these things happen um, and mm -hmm. happen efi efficiently. So this sets me up perfectly for my last question for you. I feel like this conversation just flew by, uh, but looking to the next 10 to 15 years with the work that mm -hmm. 120 Water is doing, what do you see the water industry looking like? Mm -hmm. 
Um, yes, I mean, my, uh, and this is kind of a personal, personal goal as well, but, uh, you know, I think, I think we've seen, um, you know, software as a service ecosystems or as a service companies with the right ecosystems really become best practice for an industry and, and bring best practice to it, to, uh, traditionally fragmented industries. And so, you know, my goal at 120, and I, I think it's a hope, I don't think it's a pipe dream is really to be an, as a service platform that can really standardize how water professionals are executing, uh, drinking water programs. And lead is just one of hundreds of things that these water professionals are tasked with managing day in and day out. So, you know, at 120 water, we would like to go beyond lead into other programs that our customers are tasked with managing. And we would really like to be that, that standardization platform that's really used um, by professionals to execute their programs, um, as well as, you know, with a, a really best of breed uh, partner ecosystem as well, because um, we don't believe that there's going to be a one size fits all black box that, that's going to really come in and, and modernize the industry. We really do think it's going to take a village of best of breed uh, technologies and partners. Well, I, for one, am very excited about this and will be keeping an eye on the work that is being done and how that evolves. And for our listeners who would like to learn more about 120 Water, where can they best connect with you? Absolutely. Um, 120water.com uh, is our website. Uh, I am at, 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 at Megan C. Glover on Twitter and uh, at 120 Water on Twitter as well. So I uh, would love to connect. Perfect. And we'll add those links to the show notes so that people have easy access to them. Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, really give share your insights into this whole world that is so important to every single one of us and for the work that you're doing in it. It's, it's fantastic to hear. And I thank you for your time. Oh, thank you, Clara. This is great. The Innovation Factory works with academic and student inventors to identify research that has the potential to create value. It then translates these into a form where they can be used to benefit society as a whole. For more information, visit uominnovationfactory.com. Thank you for listening to the You Should Know This podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or sending us a quick five-star review. Episodes come out weekly, and we're excited to bring you along as we talk to the companies and individuals who are leading us into the future.